Hey everyone, welcome to the Open Inquiry podcast. My name is Danilo Zubaryev. So this is the first episode of the podcast, and in this one, I'm just going to be reflecting on a topic by myself. It's not going to be an interview, there's no guest, and I'm going to be talking about a pretty intense, hardcore topic, and that is the fear of death. I figured this would be a good one to start with because it's a very relatable topic, and I also think a very important topic, but it's also one that people struggle very much with thinking about and talking about because it's so scary, it's it's very intimidating, and it's also very mysterious and confusing. Uh, once you start digging into the nuances of death and the fear of it, you start to notice a lot of strange paradoxes. So in this episode, I start out by talking a little bit about some personal experiences of mine that really got me thinking about death and reflecting on my own deeper fears of it. I then explore a little bit of the role of public discourse and the education system and how it could potentially help individuals in society deal with their own fears of death. Then thirdly, I dig into some of the details of why death is even scary to begin with, and I I kind of try to point to a couple of distinct characteristics of it that I think underpin its scariness. And lastly, I talk about my own methods of dealing with the fear of death, how I navigate it personally so it doesn't impact my life too significantly, and, and so it becomes an easier thing for me to actually think about. I also want to point out here before we jump into this that a lot of philosophies actually encourage individuals to reflect on their mortality. Many religions, including Buddhism, recommend that strongly as a daily practice. Additionally, philosophies like Stoicism recommend it. And they recommend it specifically because they believe that it will help one experience more joy in life. So there is a way to think about your own death that will actually make you cherish your daily experience better. And I hope with this podcast episode, I can illustrate a couple of ways that this can occur. Now, before we finally jump into this, I want to mention one last thing, and that is an important disclaimer here. This topic is really heavy, and if you think that you're not emotionally ready to think about this kind of thing, that's completely fair. You're not alone in that regard, and it's actually very mature of you to recognize that. So if you need to, you can just go ahead and turn this off right now if you just feel like you're not ready for this topic. And if at any point you get uncomfortable during this podcast while you're listening, always remember that you can turn this off. So if it gets a little bit too difficult for you, you're always welcome to turn it off and you can try coming back to it another time or maybe not at all. It's entirely up to you and it's very important that you stay attuned to your emotions while you're engaging with this kind of topic. Okay, so some of you may have no experience with this fear. Some of you may have lots of experience with it. This was actually the first fear I thought of as I was trying to think of the deepest fears for podcast episodes, because it's one of the most real fears. I think maybe you could say it's fundamentally the realest fear. It's this reality that nobody really wants to talk about or think about, understandably. So the first thing I'd like to do here is describe a certain experience from my life that's very relevant to this topic. The fear of death can be very extreme, and it can actually invoke anxiety and panic attacks. There's actually a distinct type of anxiety called death anxiety. You can research it and read about it. There's a link in the description here of this episode. And some years ago, I was with someone very close to me who was having a panic attack caused by death anxiety. Of course, this was an incredibly challenging experience for her, and because I was with her, I kind of started to feel it too. I know that might sound a bit strange, but I want to explore the mechanics of this. So I was with this person who was actively having a panic attack about death, and I didn't really know what to say to her. Prior to this, I had been there to help this particular friend through panic attacks a number of times, so I had some experience with trying to help through panic attacks, doing as much as I could. 
What I eventually realized is that there's not much one can do to help during a panic attack because when they strike, they're very powerful and very controlling. So simple statements don't work to resolve it, and there's and you can't really control any behavior or actions during it either. So in my experience, the key is really to not let the panic attack fully happen. It's to catch the feelings early on and stop it before it takes over. But in any case, once a panic attack started, I would normally say variations of the phrase "everything's going to be all right." I would try saying things like "I promise everything will be all right after this." Time will pass. You'll move on. Life goes on. You'll have plenty of positive experiences, and you can appreciate what you've gotten before. And many of these statements are actually truthful about various anxieties in life. Let's say you have a big exam coming up, or a job interview, or something more extreme like a loved one dying, or something more general like social anxiety. With all of these, you can acknowledge that everything will ultimately be okay. These are temporary anxieties. They come and go, but they do indeed go. And you can always compare the experience to your more positive experiences in life and recognize, oh, I still have the positive experiences and I will have more. But with death anxiety, she's just yelling, "I'm going to die! I'm not going to exist!" And in trying to support her during this, it felt like I basically had two options: either I could jump into this pool of philosophy questions she was asking, and we start doing philosophical analysis and writing a paper, or I simply respond, "Yeah, that's true." I couldn't say, "No, no, everything's going to be all right," because that would be lying to her and even to myself. She's right. We're gonna die, and we're not going to exist in this exact human form forever. So if I were to say everything is gonna be all right, I'd be ignoring her concern. With death, that is the end of everything, as far as we can tell. So you can't compare it to anything. Things aren't gonna be okay. Things aren't even gonna be at all after you die. So ultimately, I did have to say yes, that's true, but that's okay. It's a part of life. But through this experience, I really did have to reconcile my own feelings about this. I had my own deep fears of death that started to come to the surface as she was saying all of these simple truths. She would say things like, "I'm going to die. I'm not going to exist anymore. I'm not going to have anything. It's coming so quickly." All of these things feel so true, and when you hear them and you really face them, it's quite terrifying. My experience of supporting a loved one through this panic attack forced me to have to honestly face these exact fears within myself. I had to soothe my own private version of a panic attack. I also tried saying other encouraging things like, "Just think about all the experiences you get to have, and death isn't coming anytime soon, so you don't have to think about it." But even that felt like kind of a lie. Like it's not soon right now, but it's going to be soon, and it's soon in the grand scheme of things. The universe has existed for 15 billion years, and you get to have 80ish. That disparity is literally unfathomable. So mentioning how far away it is is basically just dismissing the fear until it comes back with even more reason later in life. But in any case, I just did my best to stay positive and help soothe her. And her panic attack continued, and then it ended how most panic attacks end. It just eventually ended. You don't have enough energy in your body to just continuously panic. The body just doesn't do that. So eventually, the panic passes. Another thing that comes to mind as I reflect on this experience is that the world doesn't want to talk about death at all, and I think that makes it seem scarier. It doesn't seem to make much sense that I'm so reluctant to say, "Yeah, that's true." In a case like that, usually when one is panicking about something, it's perfectly helpful to start the process of accepting that truth. But in this case, I think most people would be very uncomfortable acknowledging the truth of death while there is anxiety around it. It seems to validate the concern about it. And we haven't really thought about it ourselves. We all try to avoid thinking about it. Perhaps this isn't the case universally, but at least in Western culture, it's just considered an inappropriate topic. 
And that's something I want to actively work against with this podcast episode. I think that we're much less likely to see things like panic about death if all of society is discussing it maturely together, if it's part of the public discourse. Now, you could argue that it kind of is. For example, on the news, you'll see tons of things about death. But it's pretty rare for someone to explicitly talk about the fact that we are all going to die. That's a different kind of conversation. Of course, it's complicated to put it into public discourse or even into something like the education system. I'm not sure how that should be done. It seems like we try to, but very vaguely, we don't really spend much time on it. It seems like the hope is that art and religion will discuss death sufficiently so it doesn't need to be discussed more publicly. It's kind of like we made these institutions, like art and religion, for conversation about topics that are socially discouraged. However, that doesn't mean death shouldn't be discussed more commonly in public discourse, and it certainly seems like the education system could play an important role here. So I want to take a moment here to talk about death in a little more detail, and to try to deconstruct exactly what's so scary about it. This fear, it's very deep and very real, and I think this is due to a couple of specific facts behind it. Firstly, death seems to be an unpleasant experience. Now, there are certainly many ways to die that are more peaceful than others, and medicine has improved in a lot of ways, so there are factors that you can acknowledge to soothe this concern, but there are also a lot of factors that are scary and disheartening. The fact that as you die, basically you just wither away, presuming you don't die an early death and you die of old age, whatever that even means. Dying of old age, I guess, means cancer or a heart attack or stroke or something like that. Basically, your heart attacks and kills you. Now, that's a Norm MacDonald line. I can't take credit for that. And as a side note, I do think comedy is genuinely useful when engaging with these kinds of ideas. It just matters how you use it. If you're using comedy to avoid engaging with these ideas, that's a problem because you're hiding from your true feelings. But if you're using comedy while engaging with these ideas as a way of sort of laughing at them too and seeing the silliness of life, then I encourage it. This distinction is sort of subtle, but I think it's important, and I definitely recommend comedians like Norm MacDonald, who do an amazing job of talking about death and laughing at it too. Anyway, so death does seem unpleasant. You wither away, your cells start to die out. Cancer is your cells basically not forming properly. If you're getting heart attacks, they're probably an incredibly unpleasant experience, and they might happen repeatedly. Psychologically speaking, your brain gradually becomes weaker and weaker, your memories blur and fade, your critical faculties fail you, the world changes rapidly and the next generation seems to leave you behind, you lose friends, you lose loved ones, you lose everything about yourself, you lose all of your possessions, and you lose your entire physical body. Now this all certainly seems to be the case. Many of us believe that we'll retain these things in the afterlife, but it's difficult to be sure about this while you're experiencing it. So that's the first fact about death that makes it scary. Simply put, it looks unpleasant. But this is actually the simpler side of the matter in my view. The other, trickier fact behind death is that it seems like the deepest unknown. It's simply unimaginable, and people are scared of the unknown. Because you can imagine things that you may have been around, or seen, or heard about others experiencing, or maybe things you've experienced yourself, but death is really something you haven't experienced in any real way, or heard described before, so you can't begin to imagine it. Now there's an interesting philosophical way of navigating this, I'm not sure who originally conceived of this little thought experiment thing. I've heard many philosophers say it. And here's how it goes. They'll say, if you try to remember what it was like before you were born, that's what it will be like when you're dead. So why would there be anything to fear? And I do think this line of reasoning makes sense. Anybody who believes that they don't have a soul or get reincarnated, if you believe in the biology of death and only that, then you believe that there's nothing after you die. 
So it's not like there's anything to know about it, you just won't exist anymore. So that's one method of navigating the unknowable characteristic of death. You can ask yourself, what was it like before you were born? However, many of us, more than half the world, I'm sure, believe that something is going to happen to us after death. Now, this is complicated territory. It requires answering questions like, who are you? Because what version of you is going to remain after death? Is it the version of you whose brain is withering away? Because that version of you isn't exactly as cognitively prepared for experience as the younger versions. So we generally prefer to believe that it's the deepest, purest version of ourselves that goes to the afterlife, the thing that we sometimes call a soul. And if you believe that there's an afterlife for you to experience, then perhaps you can simply think of it as tomorrow, or the next day, or next week. You're not afraid of tomorrow. If you're afraid of the afterlife, it's kind of like being afraid of tomorrow or the next day. Now, it's important to note that you can't know you'll be familiar with it. It will probably be a drastic change to your life. Dying isn't like getting a new job. If there's an afterlife, it's not like getting a new job, it's not like getting a new house, it's not like getting a new life even. It's like getting a new life and you have no idea what it could possibly be like. And that's a fascinating question too. Would life after death be experientially entirely unlike this one? Or would there be similarities? Would your experience in the afterlife involve looking around and seeing things? Would it involve touching things with your hands? Would you have hands? Would you have eyes? Would it involve thinking? Would you have an identity? Would you be you? Or would you be a bunch of people? Or would you be everybody? Or would you be the only one? You know, all those questions you think about when you're drinking a morning coffee, right? In any case, these are the two general characteristics of death that I think make it scary. It seems unpleasant, and it's fundamentally mysterious. Now, interestingly, I think I've reconciled my fear of death in recent years, at least to some degree. And before I say anything about my philosophical approach, I think I should mention my favorite movie of all time, Synecdoche, New York. I think this movie discusses the concept of death better than any other movie ever, I haven't seen every movie, of course, but that's my suspicion. It also discusses life and the human experience. It's very, very honest, more so than any other movie I've seen, and it's largely why I'm talking about death right now, and I think it sparked my reconciliation of that concept. I also want to mention mindfulness meditation. I started thinking about death well before I started meditating, but meditation has without a doubt helped me with anxiety more generally, and I encourage it for almost everyone. So, when it comes to fear of death, there are two general approaches that calm me. The first is considering the utility of fear, and the second is cherishing consciousness. In terms of the utility of fear, I found that fear is useful when it's practical and logical. It's useful when it's informing you about something you can do, some specific actions. Otherwise, fear is actually unhelpful, it's counterproductive. So if your fear of death is telling you, hey, go live your life to the fullest, enjoy your life, make good use of it, that's generally a good thing. But if your fear of death is telling you to cower and hide and not move and stay inside, if it's causing you anxiety and stress, then that's not a useful fear at all. Fear generally invokes a fight or flight response, but in this case you can't really fight it or run away from it, you just have to accept it. And this is why there's actually no reason to fear death in itself. The fact is that death is everywhere, people you know will die, you can hear about death every single day on the news, but none of this means you should fear it and you'll handle it better if you simply don't. The only time when the fight-or-flight response applies to death is when you actively need to solve a problem that might kill you, like you're in a jungle and there's a hungry lion. But death in itself is not a lion, it's a fact of reality. You can be afraid of the lion so you can survive a little longer and get more joy out of life, but there's no point in fearing death itself because it doesn't lend itself to any practical information except to live your life and enjoy it. 
fearing a concept like death is unhelpful unless you are channeling that fear into healthy, effective life changes. Otherwise, it's useless. And it's actually nonsensical based on the real utilities of fear in the first place. Now, the second approach of mine is cherishing consciousness. This is a little bit more complicated to explain, but it, also, it always starts with recognizing that life is just consciousness, and it's this incredible privilege to be conscious. You could just not have these 80 years or whatever you're going to have. I know this prompts some strange philosophical and existential questions, and it's fundamentally impossible to even imagine not getting life. But the fact is that you do get these years, and you don't know what's after. It could be nothing, but if it's nothing, you still got something. You got some time to live. You got to experience things. You get to experience life and all of its sadnesses and happinesses. You get to experience panic attacks, and you also get to experience ice cream. Maybe that's an immature comparison. But you get to experience panic attacks, you get to experience music, you get to experience religion, you get to experience community, communication, having friends, having a family, to some degree, whatever your version of that is. You get to experience confusion, you get to experience forming an identity, you get to be born, and then instead of being a creature doing whatever it wants, you were given a name, and then figured out a way to associate yourself with that name, and then add on all of these characteristics and traits and lifestyles and values and habits knowledge. You get to accumulate knowledge. How many animals have knowledge? Their knowledge is like, oh, there's a green thing over there I can eat. But your knowledge is that you exist. Your knowledge is that there's a certain very high number of stars in the galaxy. You know about ice cream, hopefully. You get to communicate with a person. You get to look at a person and notice that they look at you and then recognize that you're looking at each other and you're both people who are conscious, probably unless you're a solipsist, but you're thinking probably that you're both conscious and you're looking right at each other. You're listening to me right now. I'm not hearing you, but I know you're there, unless nobody makes it this far into this episode, which is very possible. But if you are listening to this, your brain is interpreting all of the sounds coming out of my mouth and they're causing you to think the things that I'm thinking. This is all fundamentally magical. You have no choice in any of this and you just get to experience it. You get to be conscious and self-aware during the process. You get to recognize what you have, so why not cherish it? So in conclusion, I just want to say that death is a fact of life. Your life is this incredible, crazy, remarkable, truly special experience. The fact that you're conscious is something that none of us can even comprehend, really. We struggle so much to recognize how special this is. In fact, it's the only thing that's special. It's the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters. The physical universe doesn't care about things. You care about things. You get to care. And therein lies the fact that we as humans care about consciousness. It's the only thing. It's difficult to explain this perspective, but it's a little bit like the oneness of all experience. All experience is valuable fundamentally because it's all any individual has. All of reality for you is your conscious experience. Reality exists outside of it, at least we generally assume it does, but you're not going to get that. You only get your conscious experience of reality, and it seems like it's going to disappear. So cherish every moment of it because every moment is the only one of its kind. My point is that that's unfathomably special. So you can worry about something you simply don't know about that's years away, or you can focus on now, or tomorrow, or the next couple of days. You can focus on how fundamentally magical every single moment in all of that is. Okay, so that's everything I have to say about fear of death, at least for now. 
Please feel free to give me feedback by messaging me or in the comments on YouTube and Facebook and whatnot. It'd be great to hear if you found this interesting or helpful in some way, or if you have any general suggestions for me to improve on my content. Also, if you have your own thoughts on this topic, I'd very much like to encourage you to type them out in the comments on the YouTube or Facebook post of this episode. One of the primary reasons I make these episodes is to spark public discourse on these types of topics. This is a universally important topic. Everyone is going to die. So if you have thoughts or feelings on this, go ahead and open up in the comments and we'll have a great conversation down there. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great day.